Hey Jexeteers, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. And today, with the help of my friend I, who runs the channel I Don't Drink Kool-Aid, we're going to be debunking the FAQ page of the JW.org website. And here is I Don't Drink Kool-Aid. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. And just um, for ease of reference, is it okay if I just refer to you as Kool-Aid? Sure, no problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. So if you're not familiar with the channel, I Don't Drink Kool-Aid, I'll put a link in the description below. The channel is absolutely excellent. Very, very thorough and well-researched um, content on there. So if you um, just check the video description and there'll be a link there to the channel, please go ahead and subscribe. Okay, so um, let's get into it. So we're going to be dis um, debunking the JW.org website. So if you just bear with me a moment while I share my screen and get the website up and running. Okay, here we go. So Oh, no, that's the wrong screen. Bear with me, please, sorry. Uh, and I can't find it. Okay, while I'm doing that, <laughs> while I'm trying to get myself organized, um, Kool-Aid, would you mind just, um, just briefly given an introduction to your channel and uh, how you got it started and uh, what your content is about. Sure. So um, I left the organization um, at 2022, 20, uh, between 22 and 23, I kind of did a fade out. And what really helped me uh, when I was exiting was just consuming as much information as I could get my hands on. Um, just anything I could find uh, to help me understand, you know, it, it's so overwhelming when you first leave and, and finding content that, that helped break down the lies and the deceit of the organization uh, in an organized way, it really helped me. Um, and so a few years later, I decided I wanted to do that. I wanted to create a channel that, that could help someone else who was on the verge of leaving or, you know, who just had this realization that something wasn't right and went out looking for information um, I think it's important that that information is 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 accessible once a person gets to the point where they want to start researching. You know what what is this organization that I really am a part of? That's that's, that's great, and I'm I'm particularly grateful for um, your efforts because when I was waking up, um, your video series on our Jehovah's Witnesses occult that really really opened my eyes to a lot of things. It, it helped me out immensely. Um, I immediately added all of those videos to a playlist and I had them on my channel ever since. Thank you so much. It's, it's, social media is really amazing. It's, it's just crazy that yeah. someone, you know, on the other side of the world can, could see something that you put out and it helps. So it's, it's just, it's amazing. Absolutely. Um, I should say that um, we're going to be addressing seven questions from the FAQ page on jw.org. Um, we will take a break at the end of each uh, section. 
uh, for questions and comments. So if you have any questions or comments, viewers, please put them in the live chat and uh, my producer behind the scenes will, will put those on display and then we'll address those. Okay, um, please forgive me for the technical hitch at the beginning. I think I'm ready now, so I'm just gonna share my screen. Okay. Right, so, sure, yeah, everyone can see that now. So the first question we're gonna be uh, talking about is, do Jehovah's Witnesses feel that they are the only people who will be saved? And immediately it says, no, millions who lived in centuries past and who weren't Jehovah's Witnesses will have the opportunity for salvation. Now, that is such a misleading answer to that question. First of all, we all know that Jehovah's Witnesses do believe they're the only ones who will be saved. I mean, even if individual Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that, that's what the doctrine teaches. And then it goes on to answer a question that wasn't initially asked. It says millions who lived in centuries past and who were not Jehovah's Witnesses will have the opportunity for salvation. But that's not, that isn't what the question is asking. So this is a, you know, blatant um, deception right here. What do you think about that, Kuleg? Yeah, um, they, they like to do this a lot in their FAQ page where they mm. answer a question that wasn't asked. And, you know, they, they do this purposely to try to confuse the reader because obviously um, this FAQ page is directed toward people who have little to no uh, background knowledge on a Jehovah's Witness. And so they're hoping that someone who maybe sees something about Jehovah's Witnesses or someone comes to their door, they're hoping, you know, someone who does their Googles finds this. And yeah. they, they definitely word it in a way to mislead and confuse the reader because we're not talking about people in the past and all that. I mean, <laughs> what they want to know, what a person who's asking that question wants to know is, hey, do you all feel that only your religion is worthy of salvation after Armageddon and after all that's done it over, who do you all believe is going to be left standing? And exactly. and they straight out they lie right away. No, that's it's a lie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we can even prove this with their own literature. So um, I found this article when I was doing my research, and this is uh, from a questions from readers in the Watchtower magazine, uh, nineteen seventy one. And the question is, can it be stated flatly that only baptized witnesses of Jehovah will be saved? And it says, uh, the Bible shows that God can, can consider as holy the minor, ch minor children of a Christian parent. So they're saying that minor children will basically inherit the salvation of their parents if their parents are faithful. But it also says that um, they must be qualified. Yeah, the Bible doesn't pointedly say how God is going to handle certain unusual cases, such as those involving mentally, I'm not going to say the R word, impaired persons who never had the capacity to learn about Jehovah and his purposes. Um, but so, you know, there's a lot of obfuscation going on here. They're, they're not really answering the question or addressing the issue. But we all know that Jehovah's Witnesses, I mean, the doctrine does teach that only Jehovah's Witnesses will be saved. And even to take it a step further, I mean, they will sometimes even say not even all Jehovah's Witnesses are going to be saved. 
you got to be a good Jehovah's Witness. You've got to be an active Jehovah's Witness. You can't be hiding any sins. So, you know, regardless of what they try to put out there, or, you know, some witnesses may even lie to themselves because, you know, it's a pretty gruesome thought that, you know, 99.9% of the population is not going to survive. Uh, yeah. But what they what their doctrine says is that it's a very, very tiny percentage of them that's that's going to be left standing. Yeah, absolutely. Also, there's this article that I found here. Uh, this is a 2019 Watchtower, October. It says, uh, we need to help people understand how important it is. Let me just highlight that. We need to help people understand how important it is for them to take their stand for Jehovah and his kingdom. This means trying to motivate people to make the truth their own by applying what they learn, dedicating their life to Jehovah and getting baptized. Only then will they survive Jehovah's day. So there it is in black and white. Only baptized Jehovah's witnesses will survive Jehovah's day. And so if it isn't only baptized Jehovah's witnesses who will survive, then what is the preaching work for? Exactly. <laughs> and they say, what do they call it? The uh, A life-saving work. Exactly. Exactly. They call it a life-saving work. So, you know, they're trying to save the lives of the people they preach to. So if the people they preach to don't listen, then their lives will not be saved by extension, you know. So the answer to this question is just completely erroneous and, and misleading and deceptive. So uh, do we have any comments on this question or any questions? Okay, producer Bob says, seems like politician style answers to me. Absolutely. Responding to the question without actually answering it. And I found that the organization is absolutely expert at that from an organizational level and on an individual level as well. I mean, individual Jehovah's Witnesses are very, very skilled at this, responding to questions without actually answering the question. I mean, that's how the, uh, that's what the whole purpose of the Reasoning from the Scriptures book was for, uh, teaching us how to answer questions without answering them, how to talk exactly. in circles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do we have any more comments? Thank you. From Karen Bear. Those are non-answers. They're highly misleading and don't quite get to the point. Yeah, absolutely right, Karen. And that's and they're designed that way. You know, make no mistake that the answers to these questions are designed in exactly that way. Because Jehovah's Witnesses, they know that their beliefs and their doctrine, if if told in an upfront and completely honest and transparent way, is not appealing. So they save all of those things until the person has you know, got one foot in the organization already, and then they release those things to them gradually. Uh, any more? Okay, let's move on to the next one, which is why have Jehovah's Witnesses changed some of their beliefs? Do you want to start on this one, Taylor? Yeah, did you want me to read the uh, entire thing? Uh, or uh, yes, please. Okay, so it says, we've always used the Bible as the sole authority for our beliefs. So we have adjusted our beliefs as our understanding of the scriptures has been clarified. Such changes are in harmony with the Bible principles stated at Proverbs 4.18. 
The path of the righteous is like the bright morning light that grows brighter and brighter until full daylight. Just as the rising sun reveals details of a landscape gradually, God grants an understanding of divine truth progressively in his due time. As the Bible foretold, he has accelerated this process during the time of the end. These adjustments in our understanding should neither surprise nor disturb us. Ancient worshipers of God also had mistaken ideas and expectations and needed to adjust their viewpoint. Moses offered himself as a deliverer for the nation of Israel 40 years ahead of God's timetable. The apostles failed to understand the prophecy that foretold the Messiah's death and resurrection. Some early Christians had wrong ideas about the timing of the day of Jehovah. God later corrected their misunderstandings, and we pray that he will continue doing the same for us. Thank you. So the thing that, that gets me is that they try to justify the fact that they've changed their beliefs when really you can't change your beliefs and at the same time claim that you're God's chosen channel of communication because then if all of the beliefs that you're getting are from God, then if they change, then it means that God is changing them. Exactly. I mean, I, I don't see how you can get around that logic. Or he's allowing his only organization on earth to believe lies for decades. I mean, yeah. and I love how they like to take the scripture out of context. This Proverbs 4.18. Um, the, the whole scripture in its entirety is just comparing a good person to a bad person. Righteous and yeah. evil. You know, they're saying a righteous yeah. person is like light, a wicked person is like darkness. And they somehow have decided that this light in Proverbs is, is referencing their doctrine. And that, you know, they, they say that there it's a slow revealing of truth, which there's there's nothing to back that up at all. Nothing whatsoever. There's no basis in scripture, even in the scripture and Proverbs they use. There's no basis in that that whole chapter, in fact, to say that it's referring to the gradual um, revelation of, of, of Bible truths. Exactly. And, you know. Let's let's follow that logic for a moment, even if that let's say that that's what that scripture was about, which obviously it's not. Um, there's a difference between a progressive, gradual understanding and just completely flip flopping on something. Yeah. Someone uh, gave like a, an example, you know, a progressive understanding would be, you know, you see a silhouette in the distance. The silhouette gets closer. You realize it's a human. And then you realize it's a man. And then you realize, oh, that's my dad. That's a progressive understanding. What they do is more so like, oh, a silhouette is coming. It's a human. Wait, no, it's an elephant. It's a tree. It's a, they just keep changing. There's, it's not a progressive understanding. They just keep changing their beliefs. And while they keep changing, people's lives are on the line here because they, some of their doctrine that they change, it's, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, your, your, your um, analogy is spot on because if, if the truth is definitely coming from God and it's being revealed gradually, every step along in that revelation shouldn't contradict what, what came before. Exactly. It shouldn't contradict what came before, but in the case of Watchtower, it, it often does in fact it more often than not it does right right and you know i think of some of these doctrine changes that they've made and um going back to just how dangerous this can be 
there was a watchtower in 1967, uh, a questions from readers, and um, there was a back and forth about whether uh, witnesses could get organ transplants, whether that was mm-hmm. acceptable. And, you know, in, that, in the 1967 article, um, the whole article was basically comparing it to cannibalism. They're saying yeah. that getting a transplant is uh, equal to eating human flesh. Is what they're saying, yeah. and they even say that to be an organ donor would be mutilation and misuse of the body. So, a witness reading this in 1967 would obviously draw the conclusion that, oh, that's not acceptable for a Jehovah's Witness to do. And then, fast forward to 1980, and a March, uh, March 15th, then they're saying, oh, well, it's a conscious matter. Some witnesses may be okay with it. And some may be uncomfortable with it, but ultimately it's up to the Jehovah's Witness. So imagine, you know, in between these two articles, imagine you're not letting your child get a transplant or you not getting one. And then all because they said it was wrong. And then fast forward to 1980, they're like, oh, well, it's up to you guys if you want to do it or not. Exactly. Uh, in, In that 13 year interval between it not being allowed and it being allowed, I wonder how many people died because they refused an organ transplant. Exactly. Yeah. And I wonder how many people were disciplined in the congregation for accepting one. Right. Right. That's a really good point also. So, yeah, they, yeah. lives are being destroyed while they keep flip-flopping around on what they want to believe. Exactly. Exactly. And if this truth is coming from God, who is supposed to be a God of justice, would he be okay with that? Right. Right. Why would he be? Why would he be okay with with his organization making decisions based on false information, life-changing, life-shattering decisions based on information that's not wrong. And then you just casually change it some years later. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we're to take, um, you know, uh, if we're to take seriously accounts in the Bible where there have been false prophets and the way that Jehovah God has dealt with them, you know, we know what his stance is on false prophets and the false information that they that they disseminate. I think that there, there, there's one account of of, an, of a false prophet that was on the road to somewhere and he just got, I, think, I can't remember exactly how he died, but Jehovah killed him basically. You know, I, can't, I can't remember exactly the account, but yeah. And, we, okay, so, and then too, of course, the they, they change a lot of their beliefs just because the timeline has passed. You know, you yeah. say the end's coming on this date. Well, that date comes and goes and we're still here. No Armageddon. Well, you, you kind of have to make up something. <laughs> you have yeah. to make up a reason why the end still isn't here. So that's another reason they have to keep changing their beliefs because they keep predicting Armageddon and Armageddon hasn't arrived. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, um, the whole 19, um, 1935, when they, when they, um, discovered the identity of the the other sheep so prior to 1935 all witnesses thought that they were part of the 144,000 and all witnesses were anointed and all witnesses would go to heaven but then they started to realize that there's more than 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses now so what's going to happen to the rest (laughs) right right when the math stops making sense and they have to change things that's right. And then that's when they came up with the earthly class. 
So from that point onwards, you had two classes of witnesses, witnesses who would go to heaven and had the heavenly hope, witnesses who had the earthly hope and would stay on the earth. So that's a perfect example of what you were saying, how they, you know, their false predictions end up necessitating them changing their beliefs. Right, right. The the generation teaching is another really good example of that. Yeah. Um, when all, you know, you say this, the end is going to come before this generation passes. And then you start realizing like, oh, okay, all those people are passing away. We got to do, we got to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's ridiculous. Okay, so do we have any comments on this uh, question? Okay, one from RC. Are they just adjustments and clarifications or major changes in doctrine? Exactly, Kool-Aid. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said with your, um, with your silhouette analogy, um, a clarification means seeing something more clearly. It doesn't mean seeing a completely different thing. Exactly. And yeah, that, that's a good point. The word adjustments, because they, they make it seem mm. like it's just a small little tweak. Yeah. It's like, no, these yeah. are huge changes. That's not an adjustment. <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, the, the whole um, heavenly class and earthly class, I mean, that's a person's future. Right. <laughs> that's a potentially a person's eternal future in, in their mind, at least, and in the mind, you know, in the context of the doctrine. Sure. But you know, you're making a minor adjustment, but it, that minor adjustment, you know, determines whether somebody's going to live forever on earth or rule with Jesus in heaven. That's hardly an adjustment. You know, that's a major thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, Jordan from the Shunned Experience. Changes in understandings or beliefs as new light is a cop-out. If Jehovah is all wise, all loving and perfect, why would God deliberately misinform his chosen people? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's just, I, I just can't think of any logical way to reason around it. But the thing is, when you're dealing with indoctrination, you don't need to make sense. The things you say don't have to be logical because the people don't believe it because of logical, you know, because they've logically reasoned it out. They believe it because they've been indoctrinated to believe it. They've, it's been repeated to them so much that they just accept it as true. That's, that's how they can get away with not making sense. Okay, any more questions? Okay, one from Jessica. Disfellowshipping being part of the new light when before it was considered pagan. Yeah, that's a really good example. Yeah, that's weren't they, they, were, they were slamming the Catholics for excommunication? Yeah, absolutely. And saying that it had pagan origins and that um, it was, you know, like kind of like had its roots in spiritism like pagan spiritism yeah so that that's much more than a small adjustment to go from that to you know full-on disfellowshipping yeah exactly okay uh the falling tower new light <laughs> i like how you put the the little <laughs> trademarks <symbol. laughs> i love that new light was a large part of me waking up and leaving yeah, absolutely. I saw that on your on your video, which is, um, by the way, viewers, if you haven't subscribed to the Falling Tower channel, please do so. Um, the, the the introductory video on, on there is just, it is really, really good. I watched it recently. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and subscribe to that channel. Thanks for your comment. And um, I think we have one more from Karen. I personally didn't understand a lot of the changes that were happening. 
but you're always encouraged to just have faith with that frame of mind. They can get away with so much. Exactly. Yeah. Just have yeah. faith. This is, this is the thing that I really struggled with when I was in the organization is that they actively discourage you from trying to reason about, about certain things. You, you, if, if you, if you think, if you think too much, that's a bad thing. You know, they, um, they, they try to tell you just to just have faith, just have faith. You know, I've had conversations with elders before where I'm, you know, trying to make logical points and saying, but what about this? And what about what it says in this scripture? And, you know, they try to discourage you from, from thinking about it and say, just have faith. Yeah. They want you to hand over your critical thought and leave that to some, leave that to the ones at the top, let them think for you, let them exactly. decide what's right or wrong. I remember when the, the, generation teaching changed to the overlapping generation and I remember just reading that article over and over and I'm it just wasn't sticking mm -hmm. and I was asking people and they were kind of looking at me sideways like you know why are you why are you looking so deeply into this and it's yeah. like well I want to understand it and yeah. <laughs> it's not meant you really can't understand it because it doesn't make any sense but it's it's interesting to see the reactions that you get from elders and others in the kingdom hall when you are genuinely trying to make sense of it it's yeah, like just just, just believe it's true. If the governing body put it out, it's facts. So you know, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. Are Jehovah's Witnesses an American sect? This this one, <laughs> this one really really upset me. It really really upset me. So this is what it says. Our world headquarters is located in the United States of America. However, we are not an American sect for the following reasons. Some define a sect as a group that has broken away from an established religion. Jehovah's Witnesses have not broken away from some other religious group. That is a out and out blatant lie. And I only came to realize this recently. I was watching a video on Lloyd Evans Lloyd Evans's channel, where he visited um, Warwick. And he was accompanied by a gentleman who was a Bible student. And I had absolutely no idea that the Bible student religion still exists. As a witness, I was always told that Bible students changed their name and became Jehovah's Witnesses, but that isn't how it happened. There was a branch of Bible students that broke away from the main church and they became Jehovah's Witnesses while the original Bible students continued. And they are still around today. And they even have a website, International Bible Students Association. And they still follow the teachings of the religion's founder, J.F. Rutherford. So how, how they can say that they haven't broken away from an established religion is just a, a blatant lie. It's not even a twisting of the truth or, you know, it's just a lie. It's just yes, an absolute it's not an, lie. It's not an exaggeration. It's just... No. <laughs> it's just an untruth. And I was so mad when I found that out. I was so mad. I was really, really angry because it, they're just trying to hide their history and lie about their origins. And you would never, ever know this if you remained a faithful Jehovah's Witness and never looked at any information outside. 
Yeah, I had no idea that they were still around. Like, I would have, I would have argued someone down about this. Mm-hmm. This was something I, I found out uh, more recently too, within the past few months, that the Bible students were still a thing. Yeah, that they didn't all just become Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this, I'm, I'm really. I mean, every time I think that I can't be more disgusted by this, this organization, I find out something that just proves me wrong. You know, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> that, that entire answer got is is really just infuriating. Yeah, you know, especially when they try to not to jump ahead, but you know, and they they try to say that you know we follow Jesus, we don't follow any human leader. Like, come on, come yeah. come on. Yeah, and the thing is, the the fact that there's no doubt in my mind that most active Jehovah's Witnesses will have no idea of this. No. They will actually not know. And that's like the um, the eye in the bite model, information control. Because Witnesses are so discouraged from researching the religion using outside sources. You know, that's why they will never, ever know about this. Right. They're just, they're bombarded with, you know, witness material and content and videos and articles. Yeah. And they're saying that's, that's their way of, of making witnesses think they are doing thorough research, but they're only researching yeah. what, what they've put in front of them. You're not allowed exactly. to go beyond that. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's terrible. It's, it's, it's so, so deceptive. So deceptive. I think of all the um, FAQs on their website, I think this is the one that is, the most deceptive because it's not just like trying to skirt around the truth or trying to mislead. It's just a blatant lie, just a bold faced lie. Cause that, yeah. that's not how it happens. You know? Okay. Do we have any uh, comments on this one? From producer Bob. Hi Bob. I was so shocked when I learned the origins of the J of the JW. Frankly, I was embarrassed how little I knew about my religion of birth. You are encouraged not to research your own beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel exactly the same way. When I started waking up, which was this week, a year ago. So on the 23rd, in three days' time, that was that was the day that I first looked at apostate material. And um, I learned more in that week about the religion I was in for 42 years than I knew when I was in it. And I just, I, I learned things that absolutely, you know, it shocked me, disgusted me, amazed me, you know, things that I would never have known if I continued being an, a witness. What about you, Kool-Aid? Yeah, I, I, I tried to, I couldn't figure out how I had been going all this time without knowing any of this. I'm like, we mm. study all the time, but, but again, going back to we're studying what they allow us to study. So, exactly. so there's no way you, you would have, you wouldn't run into any of this information because you're only on JW.org. You're only reading their articles. So there, there was no way to, to even accidentally find any of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it was every, like you said, every time I think I can't be shocked, like, okay, I think I've, I always get to a point where I'm like, I've seen it all. I've seen all I can see about this organization and then something else just catches me by surprise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you seen that, um, that JW video, Faith in Action? 
a what? That's an older one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't have a clear memory. I can remember what the VHS looks like, but I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> I yeah, don't remember it goes it back right to the origins of the organization. And I distinctly remember that that scene where where all the witnesses went into this assembly and they all had programs that had the letters JW on it. And they were trying, they were all speculating as to what it meant and coming up with different ideas. But it was only revealed during the course of the convention that they would be known as Jehovah's Witnesses. And there was no mention in that of them breaking away from the Bible students. It was, you know, yeah. it was presented as the Bible students becoming Jehovah's Witnesses, changing their name. It was, a, you know, presented as a name change, not as a schism in the Bible students' church. Right, right. And yeah, that's why they, again, that's why they think they are knowledgeable because we have these tapes and um, books that give, quote unquote, the history of the witnesses. But, mm -hmm. you know, they they take so much out, they leave so much out, or they just completely rewrite history at times. Yeah. And so, yeah, you have witnesses who think, yeah, they know all there is to know about their history, but so much is left out intentionally. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So one last question. Also, isn't IBSA on one of the buildings at London Bethel Mill Hill? Yes. Yes, actually it is because the International Bible Students Association was actually incorporated in the United Kingdom. It's, I think it was the very first legal entity that the organization had. Wow. Yeah, so that's why it's on the, on the Bethel buildings at Mill Hill. Um, one last from producer Bob. I thought it was a name change too. You have just taught me something new, Riley. Well, <laughs> I'm only sharing what I learned myself. Literally within the past couple of months, I learned this. I had absolutely no idea. And I was shocked to say the least. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Are Jehovah's Witnesses a cult? <laughs> I have to laugh when I see this question because <laughs> from when you have to, from when this is a frequently asked question about your religion, that, that says loads, that speaks volumes in itself. You know, the yeah, fact that you have to defend yourself this? against this question <laughs> in the first place. Exactly. You know, uh, well, let's let's see what I have to say. No, Jehovah's Witnesses are not a cult. Rather, we are Christians who do our best to follow the example set by Jesus Christ and live by his teachings. <laughs> All I can do oh, is sigh. Boy. Just a frustrated, exasperated sigh over here. Exactly. Um, do, do you want to rebut that, that answer, um, Kool-Aid? Okay. What is a cult? The term cult means different things to different people. However, consider two common, common perceptions regarding cults and why those perceptions don't apply to us. Some think of a cult as being a new or a orthodox religion. Jehovah's Witnesses have not invented a new religion. Lie. On the contrary, we pattern our worship after that of the first century Christians, whose example and teachings are recorded in the Bible. We believe that the Holy Scripture should be the authority on what is orthodox in matters of worship. Some think of a cult as being a dangerous religious sect with a human leader. Jehovah's Witnesses do not look to any human as their leader. Another lie. Rather, we adhere to the standard that Jesus set for his followers when he stated, your leader is one, the Christ. Mm -hmm. So the way they answer this is, you know, 
what is a cult the term cult means different things to different people that is such a misleading and deceptive way to answer a straightforward question yes you know it's like if some if um say for instance somebody asked me am i a thief and i say well the word thief means different things to different people i mean come on (laughs) do you take things (laughs) that don't don't belong to you (laughs) exactly well you know thief means different things to different people no that's that's not how you answer a direct question right right and it's it's pretty i mean on some level, yes, people do have different um, ideas of what a cult is, but there's some pretty obvious characteristics that I can identify a religion as a cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that there's the thing is there's no there's no legal definition for a cult, right? But any of the definitions of a cult are they're all negative. I, I'm, I'm I've never heard of a, a cult definition that is positive. Yeah, and the witness religion does actually fit all of them. I mean, you've got the the one that is probably the most well known is the, is the bite model by Stephen Hassan. Yes, but I've heard other things like other less official things like um, you know when you're in a cult when you try to leave. Yes. If you can't leave, if you can't leave an organisation with your dignity intact or without having to sacrifice something, then that's a big indicator that it's a cult. And you know that's. Ex- you know, absolutely true of Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, I think that was, I don't know if he, who was the originator of that, of that uh, phrase, but I remember Mike Render saying that on Scientology, uh, the Aftermath show, that that's how you identify a cult, not by how you get in, but by mm. what happens when you ask to leave. Because getting in yeah. is the, the easy part. You know, they're, they're, they'll love you, they'll support you, it'll feel like you found a family, friends, yeah. but try to leave and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've got the actually got the bite model up here on the screen. Now, um, for those not familiar, Stephen Hassan is a a, a mental health professional and a PhD. Uh, excuse me, PhD. Um, what's his PhD in? I can't remember. Forgive me, but he's developed the bite model, which is a framework for identifying organisations that exert undue influence on their members and the bite stands for behavior control information control thought control and emotional control now on his website he's got a page dedicated to how jehovah's witnesses fit into this framework and you can see here these are all the points of the framework on the behavior control the ones in green are the ones that jehovah's witnesses the ones that don't apply to Jehovah's Witnesses. So just in this first section of behavior control, look at all of that. These are all things that Jehovah's Witnesses do except the two in green. I can still remember how I felt when I first found the bite model. Mm -hmm. And it was just checking off all the boxes. Yeah. It was was spot on. It's pretty hard to deny after you see that. (laughs) You can't really unsee it. Yeah, you can't. And this is the information control one. Again, there's only two there that, that don't apply to witnesses. Right here, systematically lie to the cult members. Well, we've just seen that. We're watching <laughs> we just that in real that time. With the previous. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Minimize or discourage access to non-cult sources of information. Yeah, absolutely. That's why this, that's why you learn so much about the religion once you leave. You know, that was the item that really got me when I was going over the bite model. Because suddenly it just made so much sense why we are we we were instilled with so much fear about apostates mm. and talking to those mm. who left. I mean, I never really knew why I was terrified of apostates. I just knew that I was. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This is an interesting one. Compartmentalize information into outsider versus insider doctrines. The whole FAQ section of their website is exactly just that. That's the whole purpose of it. You know, information that is meant for the general public, which differs from the information from the from the um, members. Encouraging spying on other members. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> I, I think every ex Jehovah's Witness has got a story about that. <laughs> so, what'd you say? I'm sorry, I think I got kicked out. I don't know what just happened. Oh. Okay. Are you you okay? Can you can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I'm good now. We're good. Yeah. So, encouraging members to spy on each other. Oh, been there. And snitch on each other as well. Yep. Yeah. Reporting, yeah, I mean, feeling obligated to report wrongdoing if you see or know of someone who did something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And in academic circles, I mean, this definition of a cult, not necessarily a definition, but this framework for identifying cults is very, you know, widely accepted. Yes. And Jehovah's Witnesses fit. I mean, I don't think I'm overestimating by saying well over 90% of this applies to witnesses. Oh, for sure. Look how little green there is. Look how exactly. little doesn't apply to them. Yeah. Yeah. So are Jehovah's Witnesses a cult? Absolutely. Absolutely a cult. Um, oh, we have a comment about uh, Steve Hassan's PhD. Thank you. Uh, his PhD in organizational development and change. Thank you very much for that, RC. Thank you. So, yeah, he studies um, the way how organizations develop them, themselves and organize themselves. You know, so he, his um, expertise in cults isn't limited to just religious cults. It's um, business cults, uh, political cults as well. Yeah, so if any of you aren't familiar with Stephen Hassan's work, I highly recommend it. What I'll do is I'll put a description, I'll put a link in the description below to his um, book where he outlines the, the bio model. It's called um, Combating Cult Mind Control. And it's an excellent read, especially for anyone leaving the Jehovah's Witness religion. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more um, points on this one, Kool-Aid? Um, all I, I just wanted to say too that... Uh... They, they try to get out of the whole cult thing by saying they don't have a human leader. Mm. It's like, okay, well, you don't have one, you have eight. And, exactly. You know, they, they, they like to play these little word games where they say that the governing body are not the leaders of the organization, but they take the lead. Well, by definition, that makes them the leaders. You know, words mean things and they try to act like yeah. they don't. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, if they're not the leaders, then how is it that they're the only ones that can make rules and they're the only ones that can't be questioned? Exactly. Exactly. That makes no sense to say that someone's taking the lead, but they're not a leader. 
Yeah, it's just ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, it's just playing with words. Just you know, and that's another hallmark of a cult as well. Um, yep. Redefining ordinary words. That's that's actually somewhere on the bite model. <laughs> right, taking universally understood words and just completely changing what they mean. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah, absolutely. Like generation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take some comments. Uh, we have one from Apprehensive Grape. <laughs> it's an interesting name. About information control, JWs don't even like to read their own old literature because it's now considered apostate. Exactly. They changed their doctrine and, you know, so much that if you look at their old publications, you'll have a completely different understanding of the religion than, than the new ones. I've even heard of elders being told to burn certain old publications, you know, to, to destroy them. And you will be met with a lot of suspicion if you go asking around for old literature. Yes, you would. You would. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any more? Jessica, if there are no leaders, then witnesses wouldn't have self-proclaimed anointed governing body members. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're not just leaders here on the earth. Apparently, when they're in heaven, they're going to be leaders there too. And from Karen, you know you're in a cult when you can't question or criticise the leadership. Exactly. Oh, but they're not leaders. They're just taking the lead, you see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So I think we've, we've thoroughly debunked this one. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Am I expected to become one of Jehovah's Witnesses if I study the Bible with them? Oh, I was so excited to drag them for this one. Yeah, okay, go ahead. All right, so <laughs> first paragraph says, no, you are not obligated in any way. Millions enjoy our Bible study program without becoming Jehovah's Witnesses. The purpose of the program is to show you what the Bible teaches. What you decide to do with that knowledge is up to you. We recognize that faith is a personal matter. And then uh, just going down to uh, someone, you know, they were asking, you know, well, why do you study with people who don't join your faith? You know, they say our primary motive is love for Jehovah God. Um, we just want to teach people what we've learned. Uh, we just, just love for our neighbor. That's the only reason we're studying. So they try to paint this whole, um, Bible study thing as, uh, no obligation, no risk, no pressure type of thing. But, um, I found a kingdom ministry. Um, it was October, 2001. And the act, I mean, it says, what is the objective? That's the, and that's the, the heading of this article. And uh, you know, obviously the kingdom ministry was basically like a, a user guide for recruiting others, right? That we used to use. And just yeah. the first paragraph, why do we conduct home Bible studies? Just to impart knowledge, to improve people's lives or to brighten their outlook for the future? No, our ultimate objective is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is why the ones with whom we study need to associate with the congregation. Their spiritual progress is directly linked to their appreciation for the Christian organization. So like I, I love to always say, the proof is in the publication. They, mm -hmm. They're saying right here what the objective is. They're like, no, we're not just here to just chat it up or to show someone a scripture. Because you know how we always used to say that at the door. We're just here to share a scriptural thought. You know, just yeah. here to share some good news. No, we, 
straight out of the gate, a, a, when someone, a witness comes to someone's door offering a Bible study, their motive is to rope them in, reel them in to become a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Yeah. No two ways about it. In fact, um, you're encouraged to stop studying the Bible with someone if they're not making progress. If they're not what yes. is termed as a, a progressive Bible study. Yes. If it's not a progressive Bible study, you're t told to cut the study, you know, and, and move on to someone else. Yeah, that was actually a, a, another article I had, I had seen um, in the Christian Life and Ministry, which I guess replaced uh, the Kingdom Ministry. And yeah. yeah, they give you, you know, guidelines on how to discontinue Bible studies that they deem to be unproductive or like you said, mm -hmm. that, that aren't progressing. And yeah. so it, it's very clear what their goal is. And if they see that they're not even close to reaching that goal of reeling you in, they'll cut it off. They'll cut mm -hmm. the, study off, the study off. And I, I find this especially cruel because I've experienced it going to Bible studies with other witnesses that a lot of people are studying with witnesses who don't really intend to be one. And they, they start to see the Jehovah's Witness as their friend. Yeah. Um, you know, as a confidant, you know, especially yeah. when you have someone who's older, maybe lonely, they appreciate that witness showing up every week to talk to them. And yeah. then, you know, all of a sudden this witness is like, well, you know what? You're not progressive. You're clearly not trying to become one of us. So this is done now. And then yeah. that person just kind of gets abandoned. Yeah, it is cruel. It is very cool, especially when you take into consideration that showing kindness is one of the things that witnesses are encouraged to do initially right. to take a personal interest in the person to make them think that you actually care about them. Exactly. You know, and then you study the Bible with them. And then if they don't progress in the, in the Bible study, then you, you know, you, you cut them off. Right. And that, yeah. From that person's point of view, you know, I thought you were my friend. That's probably what what's going through them, their mind. Right. Right. Because like you said, the way they love bomb in the beginning, when they think there's yeah. a chance that they can recruit them, you know, like mm -hmm. you said, they'll maybe they'll bring you food or they, they show up. They or ask your about shopping. your family. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah. ask, how's your dog? How's your family? How's this? And this person I've been to the door where people are pouring their hearts out. Mm. About relationship issues, financial issues, whatever they have going on. So, yeah, I could see how someone could consider that witness their friend after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, only to be just dropped because they don't want to become a Jehovah's Witness themselves. It is, it is a cruel practice. Yeah, for sure. It is cruel. It, it's so disingenuous. And this is, this is something that I didn't really realize until after coming out of the organization, just how conditional the relationships are. Yes. Yes. We always say any, that. Any, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, any kindness that a Jehovah's Witness shows to a non-Jehovah's Witness, it's with one singular purpose of recruiting them. Right. It's not just something they're doing from, you know, out of a place of love. There's, no. <laughs> and we always used to say that, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses are the nicest people in the world. It's like until you leave or until you make yeah. it clear you never want to become one of them. And then, you know, and then yeah, see exactly. how they treat you. Yeah. And also there's a difference between being nice and being good. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, there are some comments on this one. If Bible studies aren't progressive enough, JWs are told to drop them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I remember, um, you know, here studying this information at the meetings and, the, you know, the midweek meetings being told how to drop a Bible study. Yep. You know, if they're not progressing. Okay, any more? Karen, that should be a huge red flag for people who study and don't intend on converting. The fact that they're being given that ultimatum right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is the thing. This is another um, aspect of the information control is that they're not upfront about why they're at your door. Yes. They're not, they're not transparent about why they're at your door. And if you do start a Bible study with them, there's certain things that they won't be transparent about straight away. You know, they'll, they'll leave that till later on, till you're more deeply embedded into the congregation. And that's when you'll start to hear the, you know, the other things. But no witness is going to turn up on your door and say, you know, we shun former members, even if they're close relatives. Would you like to become one? Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 don't, they don't do that because they know that if they did, nobody would join. And, and nobody joins from the ministry these days anyway. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any more questions on this one? No. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. And that is, do Jehovah's Witnesses shun those who used to belong to their religion? We all know the answer to this, but <laughs> let's just go through it. And straight away, you can see the deception. Those who were baptized as Jehovah's Witnesses, but no longer preached to others, perhaps even drifting, drifting away from association with fellow believers, are not shunned. That wasn't the question. <laughs> we were not asking <laughs> question, about inactive people. No, no. The question wasn't about people who have faded from the religion because they are technically still Jehovah's Witnesses. Precisely. Talking, the, the question is about people who were Jehovah's Witnesses, but are no longer Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, so straight away is try to like answer us a milder version of the question that they right. know will have an answer that isn't as inflammatory as, as the real answer. And then they go on to say that uh, we do not automatically disfellowship someone who commits a serious sin. Again, well, that's we're, we still haven't gotten to the, the answer to the question. Exactly. The question wasn't about how people get these fellowships <laughs> or when they get these fellowships. This is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And the last paragraph says this fellowships individuals may attend religious services if they wish. They may also receive spirit. So it's like that instead of just saying the thing that they know will, will not be ex acceptable to people, they're, they're, they're trying to Oh, I can't even think of the word, but it, it, it's it's sleight of hand, basically. It's a bait and switch. Yeah. They're offering up all of these answers that aren't the real answer, and they are the answers that they know are more palatable than the real answer. And the real answer to the question is, yes, you do shun people who used to belong to the religion. Absolutely. There's no way to stop being a Jehovah's Witness without being shunned. No, no, but no. they don't say that. What I think is interesting is that they, when they finally answer the question, it's it's like kind of neatly tucked away in between all this other text that's pretty much yeah. irrelevant to the question. You know, they finally yeah. do say that 
yeah, he will be shunned or disfellowship. Like that was really the only sentence we needed, to be honest. What all this other exactly. stuff? What is this? Yeah, yeah. It's all to like cushion, cushion the blow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then um, even on their own website, we have uh, this video here. I'm sure most people will be familiar with it. Um, but it shows, I'm not sure if the sound will come through. No, I don't think the sound is coming through. But it shows a disfellowshipped um, lady calling her parents. And her mum sees her, call, her phone call coming through and doesn't answer. Just disgraceful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting how um, um, there was another article. It was a Kingdom Ministry, August two thousand two. Mm -hmm. um, it's talking about how to treat um, those who are disfellowshipped, and I just think this is such an interesting contrast. Um, you have the vague response on their website versus how specific they get when they are, you know, speaking um, in an article that's only supposed to be distributed amongst Jehovah's Witnesses. Because Kingdom Ministries, obviously, you know, we're not given out to the general yeah. public. And yeah. this third paragraph, you know, it's saying that Christians don't do, do not have fellowship with anyone who has been expelled. Um, it says we avoid social fellowship. Also, this will rule out a picnic, a party, a ball game, a trip to the mall, a theater, sitting down to a meal with him in the home or at a restaurant. Look how specific they get here. It's like yeah. it's like it reads to me like the uh, Dr. Seuss Green Eggs and Ham, like not on a train, yeah. on a plane, in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> like they have yeah. all, you can list it all out here. Well, keep that same energy on your website then. Make that clear exactly. to someone who wants to know, do you shun people who leave? Yes. Here's all the examples and all the places they are not supposed to speak to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is another uh, prime example of insider versus outsider doctrine from the yes. Bible model. Yep. You know, they have a version of the doctrine, a sanitized version of the doctrine that's public facing. And then the raw, <laughs> uncut version for, for um, existing members, which is so deceptive. Yeah, for sure. They definitely are trying to paint the organization a certain way to outsiders. But yeah, the, the people inside know. They're, they leave no room co uh, for confusion on how you are to treat those who are disfellowshipped. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's disgusting because they're, they, because they're trying to recruit people into the organization under false pretenses. Right, right. And that's, that's what really gets me upset is that, you know, if someone's going to join anything, whatever it is, they should be able to do so with all the knowledge so they can make a, a completely informed decision. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's take some question comments on this one. Falling Tower, I made sure to take a snapshot of this page when I woke up because it wouldn't surprise me if the org removes it or revises the page to say something different now that we we'll, that we have all called it out. Yeah. That's a very that's a very good point actually because they are known for doing that going back on older publications and changing them. Yeah, like there was a a magazine where I can't remember if it was a Watchtower or an Awake when they said that Armageddon would come before the end of the millennium, and then um, after the year two thousand had come and gone, they went back and changed the publication 
to say in the near future. I, <laughs> and I, the only I remember way, that. Yeah. The only way that you can see the old one is if you had the physical copy in the, in the bound volume. But on the, on the Watchtower Online Library, they've changed it to say in the near future. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So they they will they do resort to this. So it, it wouldn't surprise me either if they you know went back on some of these things and changed them. Okay, any more comments? From Karen, it's a manipulative answer. They're always welcome to they're always welcome to come back. It places the blame on the person for leaving and being shunned as a result. Yeah, victim blaming. Yeah which is another thing that, you know, narcissists do. Yeah, they're always welcome to come into the congregation. So that, it's like they're trying to make it sound like it's not that bad. Yeah. You know, they're still welcome at the meetings, you know, but they don't say they, you know, sit at the back. Right. And nobody, and nobody speaks to them. Yeah, like you guys left out the part where you're in a, a building full of, you know, how many people are in a congregation typically? 90 to 100 something. You're in a room full of 100 people that, aren't speaking to you but they're all speaking yeah. to each other yeah yeah they leave that part out and you've got to you know arrive after it starts and you've got to leave before it ends right just to avoid the possibility of anyone speaking to you and then saying that they're always welcome to come back well what if i don't want to come back then i can yeah. then i can never speak to my family again make make sure you add that in there yeah yeah also, um, did you see in the Australian Royal Commission where there was those two elders giving evidence about um, about disfellowshipping and they were saying that when somebody is disfellowshipped or no, not when someone's if it, where somebody disassociates, they are shunning the congregation rather than the congregation shunning them. Yes. And um, the lawyer, I can't remember his name, Angus, Angus Stewart was saying, but what if somebody, you know, doesn't want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore, but they still want to keep the relationships with the people in a congregation, just the personal relationships, not the religious relationship, just a personal relationship. Right. And they, was, and they just repeated the same thing over and over again. You know, they're shunning the congregation. And it, it's, it's so misleading and deceptive. Because if somebody doesn't want to be a witness, but still wants to, you know, keep the relationships that they have, why shouldn't they be able to? Right. That's, that's them shunning the congregation because they want to maintain the relationship. It's just a way to try to, yeah, throw it back on the victim. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, JM, I've spoken to disfellowships people and they say they can't talk to a brother or they will get into trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, funny, funnily enough, um, last weekend I was out with some friends and I came across a witness that I know and he recognized me and I said hi to him. <laughs> I said hi to him. I said, hi, how are you doing? Smiled. I shook his hand. Um, he did respond to me, but only to tell me, you know, that I shouldn't give up on trying to come back. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But... The, the term disfellowship no longer means anything to me now. Um, so I don't see why I should have to abide by its rules. So if I saw a, a witness that I knew, I would greet them. I'd say hi to them. It's up to them if they want to respond back or not. Right. But right. Um, I, I don't feel that I have to abide by the rules of a disfellowship person because I no longer believe in that anymore. 
yeah, I'm not walking around carrying this title that you all put on me. No. Exactly. Exactly. When you're not even, a, the, you know, the, the true religion anyway, if there isn't even if such a thing. Right. Uh, Jessica, in an argument, I asked my mom about how she views disfellowshipping. And in her own words, she said, it's a loving thing. Yeah, that's what they like to say. It's a loving thing. I've heard that so many times. It's, it's such it, emotional blackmail, too, because, you know, and they admit that in their own literature, that part of the reason that they do it is so that the person will basically become so desperate that they'll return. Yeah. Yeah. They admit to the emotional blackmail. Yeah. With <laughs> yeah. pride. No, no self-awareness whatsoever. That's something that I'm finding is becoming a... Um, uh, more and more common in their literature that they, they they make statements that are so blatantly hypocritical but it's as if they don't realize it yeah they can't see yeah. it yeah like that recent article about conspiracy theories i can't i can't remember exactly what it said but they 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 outlined the identifiers of a conspiracy theory but every single point that they made applied to the religion as well and All it's right. like did, how did they not see this when they were writing it? <laughs> oh, you just gave you know? me something to look up when I get off of here. I, did, I haven't seen that one. Oh, oh goodness me. You'll burst out <laughs> laughing when you read it. You'll absolutely burst out laughing. And that's what narcissists do because they, they have, because they have no self-awareness. They will, they will um, reprimand or, you know, talk down to somebody about a particular thing. And in the very next sentence, so do exactly the same thing that they were reprimanding that person about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you just you yeah. have to laugh at the absurdity of it all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, can you not hear yourself? Can't you hear what you are actually saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's take some more comments. Patrick, when I read the specific aspects of Hassan's bite model, my jaw drops because every one of those four areas feel like they were written specifically for JWs. I know I went through exactly the same thing when I read his book for the first time. I couldn't believe that the first edition of his book didn't even include Jehovah's Witnesses because he, they weren't even on his radar. He had no idea who they were or what they believed. It was um, a former Bethel elder who contacted him after he wrote his book and asked him why he didn't include Jehovah's Witnesses in the book. And he says, are Jehovah's Witnesses a cult? <laughs> so the guy just says to him, dude, <laughs> you've got to come and see me. <laughs> wow. So he flew out to LA. I think he flew out to LA to meet him and, and, and a, a group of ex-witnesses who were all in touch with each other and they went through it with him. And he just, he said he had to include them in the next edition of his book. Yeah. I mean, when, when I read the book for the first time, I, I was jumping up and down at the similarities between the, the Unification Church or the Moonies, which was the cult that Stephen Hassan himself was in, and Jehovah's Witnesses. I couldn't believe. I mean, by that time, I'd accepted that Jehovah's Witnesses were a cult, but I still didn't realize how similar they were to other cults. Right. So when he was describing the Moonies' beliefs, I, I literally could not believe what I was hearing. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was so similar. Oh, we have a comment from my good friend, Gene. Cult, end of. 
to put it simply, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, any more comments? Awake.com, victim blaming and shaming, humiliation is what awaits you when you go back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that won't be me because I would I'd never ever go back. Never go back. I decided I would never go back even before I, I woke up and realized it was a cult. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Simply for the for the fact that I was so much happier not being a witness than I ever was of being one. Just based based on that alone, wow. I decided I would never go back, even when I still believed it was the truth. Yeah, see, I had the a different. I I actually was disfellowshipped and did I did go back. I got reinstated. That was before I woke up. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like the commenter just said, it's such a humiliating experience. Like they send you back. Or you you go back crawling on hands and, de- and knees, you know, begging for forgiveness, you know, with your tail yeah. tucked between your legs. It's, it it really is an awful an awful experience. And for them to try to blame the victim, you know, just mm. knowing what a what a horrible experience it is, it's just infuriating. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, uh, if there are any more comments, we'll move on to the next one. Okay. Are Jehovah's Witnesses trying to earn salvation by their door-to-door ministry? Uh, do you want to take this one, Kool-Aid? Yeah, so it says no. Again, an outright lie. We engage yeah. regularly in our door-to-door ministry, but we don't believe that we earn salvation by doing such work. Why not? Think of this comparison. Imagine that a benevolent man promised an expensive gift to everyone who showed up at a certain location on a given date. If you really believe the man's promise, would you follow his instructions? No doubt. Likely, you would also tell your friends and family about the opportunity so that they too could benefit from it. Even so, you wouldn't earn the gift by following the man's instructions. The gift is still a gift. Likewise, Jehovah's Witnesses believe God's promise of everlasting life for all who obey him. We endeavor to share our faith with others, hoping that they will benefit from God's promises. But we don't believe we that we earn our, our salvation by engaging in our ministry. Really, no human could ever do enough to merit such an astounding blessing from God. He saved us because of his mercy and not because of any good things that we have done. So, yeah, they they're basically trying to paint this as, um, you know, their door to door work is just something they do out of the kindness of their heart because mm-hmm. they know uh, they know about paradise and, you know, about Jehovah's promises and that they just want to tell people. That they're not doing any of this out of obligation, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, if you can remember to when you were a witness, you were always told that you had to do it so that you wouldn't be blood guilty. Yes, yes, that's uh, that was when I when I first saw this question, that was the first thing that came to mind. And it's so funny that if you go to the Watchtower um, online library and you just type in blood guilty you know how if you type in a heading they'll give you all these little um, categories there's a category under blood guilty that specifically says for failure to preach so you know there's no confusion there that you know witnesses teach that if if you don't do everything you can to to witness to as many people as possible and they get destroyed as a result you will have blood on your hands yeah this uh this 1974 watchtower uh from February 15th 
Yeah. It says in paragraph 19 that he it would be tantamount to murder. Wow. Someone who just does some preaching, but, you know, doesn't basically go as hard as they can to reach as many as possible. You know, they're saying that's that's like murder. That's negligence. And Jehovah's going to pass judgment on you accordingly for that negligence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. His loveless, unconcerned attitude will be tantamount to murder. Wow. I don't know if you remember that video, uh, Tony Morris. Um, I believe yeah. it was in one of the what was what what meeting was that? I think that was a, a trip that he took to the branch in Trinidad, where he told everyone but, to look at their hands and to see if you had yeah. blood on them. Yeah, when he was he was yeah. basically talking about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses who were inactive. That's right. That's right. And he he even said something about. Um, the person sitting next to you might, you know, would know whether or not you've been out on the ministry. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. And um, saying, you know, look at your hands. Jehovah probably sees blood on them. Yeah. If you haven't been out in service, you know, for a few weeks. Right. So yeah. they're not even talking about someone who's never been out in service or, you know, who maybe just goes. Yeah. They're, they're talking about people who are not out consistently. Yeah. And, you know, here in this FAQ response, they're trying to make it seem like um, the door to door ministry is something Jehovah's Witnesses just do um, out of the kindness of their hearts. You know, when when they are so moved, you know, and yeah. preaching is very much a requirement in the organization, so much so that, you know, they have to turn in time slips. You have to report how many hours you spend a month doing this. This isn't something they just do when they feel so inclined. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it was just about, you know, your love for people and wanting to save them, why do you have to fill in a report, submit a report every month? Exactly. Right. Why do I have to no. treat this like a job where I'm, you know, clocking in and clocking out and reporting what time I got here? And, you know, witnesses are treated accordingly based on how many hours that they're getting. You know, whether yeah. you, you get titles, you, you're considered exemplary if you if you're, you know, over the congregation average, if you if you're lower than that, you're considered a low hour publisher and you're treated differently based on how many hours you're getting. So this is not something that, you know, this is not like a, a no pressure type of thing. This is very much an obligation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as we, we know, fear is a is a great motivator. You know, you can you could you can motivate somebody to do practically anything, you know, using fear. For sure. So in the face of, you know, love for your neighbor or fear of being destroyed, which one of those two things do you think is the more powerful? Exactly. You know, yeah. this was something even as a child, I, I was terrified. I I remember I would go to the door and I'd give a presentation and the person would say no. And I would just be, I would replay my presentation in my head over and over thinking like, did I, did I present it well enough? Is there, is there another way I could have presented it where they would have said yes? Cause I didn't want to be blood guilty. I didn't want anybody mm -hmm. to you know get destroyed because I didn't preach well enough. So this was, a, this wow. was a terrifying thought to have as a child. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh boy. This is, this is really, really terrible. This is really terrible. And again, the contrast between the publications that are internal for, for witnesses and then the public-facing website, which right. are very, very different. 
That's yeah. so culty. That's such a culty thing to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I was just reading these FAQ, FAQ questions and I knew nothing about witnesses, I would have a very different idea of how this religion operates versus how it actually does. Yeah, yeah. They don't want you to know the truth about the truth until you're already too far in. Right, right. You're just too deep in that you it's you're just too far in to just turn around and be like, oh, no, this is a little much. Like by, by the time you yeah. get the real. Yeah, you're deep in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's a, that's the last question. So uh, let's take some comments. Shona Ford. The Bible students still follow Russell's teachings. Rutherford changed the name to Jehovah's Witnesses and Russell was a break off from the Seventh-day Adventist teachings. Yeah, the whole thing, those Seventh-day Adventists have a lot to answer for <laughs> because it just seems like so many religions just came from, you know, it's as if Seventh-day Adventist was the main tree and then you have all the branches that's come off of that and then you have the twigs off of the branches. So many different religions, all stemming from Seventh-day um, Adventism. Yeah. Any more comments? Patrick, Patrick says, this is great research, you guys. Thank you so much, Patrick. Appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, again, Patrick, why do you have to report field service time but not report personal study time? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. In fact, um, parents can actually um, count the time that they study with their children. And you can actually, yep. um, if, you, if you study, with, if you've got more than one ch child and you study with each of them individually, then both parents can actually individually count the time that they study with each individual child. So when, they, when they're sharing these stats and they say, oh, how many billions of hours they've spent in the preaching work, how much of that is just sitting at home watching JW broadcasting with your kids? A lot of that time is just child indoctrination. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure. And it's funny how they try to, you know, they say that they they model after the first century Christians. Like, were they turning in time? Did they did they have to report that to someone? Like, who who decided this? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's all just man made, and the whole. It never occurred to me when I was a witness how similar being a witness is to having a job. Because the religion isn't really a religion. It's, it's, a, it's a business that masquerades as a religion. Yes. It's basically just a business. The way that it's organized, the way that you're even taught to preach. There, there was a video that I saw a little while ago by somebody who was a professional salesman who was also an ex-witness. And he said that all the things he learned in his sales training, all the techniques and the methods are exactly the same as what witnesses get taught on, in how to preach. He said wow. there's no difference whatsoever. Because, you know, as a witness, you're basically a glorified salesperson. Right, right. You're just not getting paid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just not getting paid. <laughs> uh, Awake.com says they don't do it out of the kindness of their hearts. They do it out of fear and submission to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. There's oh, no two sure. ways about it. Have you, said, yeah. have you ever seen a pioneer trying to make their hours toward the end of the month, how they are scrambling? Yeah. The, just the stress of it yeah. all. I've seen, I've seen, I've had friends who would start, you know, early morning witnessing before they meet with the group. And they would, yeah. they would go all day and they, they do overnight witnessing in hospitals. I mean, it was just, 
at, at that point, it was not about trying to reach people or, you know, I just really no. want people to know about Jehovah. It was like, I got to make my time. Exactly. 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 It's like, it's like a worker, you know, ha- having to fulfill their quota at the end of the week, exactly. in whatever it is. That they make. Yeah. Uh, Jeannie. Uh, fear. Old Est- Old Testament is full of fear. Yeah, absolutely. Same old story. Uh, Jessica, you have two choices when being a witness. You either live accordingly and hope you survive or die. There is no in-between. They will not preach about it as simple as that. They use smoke and mirrors. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the FAQ section of their website is just a prime example of that. Smoke and mirrors, all of it from beginning to end. Anymore, producer Bob. When I was a child, that wasn't allowed. Ex-critical thinker recently covered this point too, that that they now allow both parents to count time studying with their children. Yeah, yeah, it's true. This wasn't allowed um, in a not too distant past, but it's a new thing that they that they a new rule that they changed, allowing both parents to count the time. Yeah, I wonder what what was the motivation behind that. See, I didn't know. I didn't know that. So before only one parent could? Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Any more comments? No? Okay, I think that's a wrap. So thank you very much, kool for joining me for this uh, live stream. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I, I really enjoy doing this. This is great. Yeah, me too. Thank you. We'll have to collaborate again sometime soon. For sure. Yeah. And thank you, viewers, for watching, um, commenting. And please, if you haven't already done so, please click the like button and uh, subscribe to the channel as well with notifications so that you get alerted to all future videos. Please proceed to the Jexit in an orderly fashion, and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash jexit underscore 2020.